Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today we're going to talk about mindfulness, but before we get started, how's your day been, Katina? It's been pretty good. Um, I spent most of my day writing a paper, so similar to what we'll be talking about tonight, research paper. So thought my eyes were going to fall out of my brain for a little while, so I just uh, had to take a little break uh, uh, in the middle of the day to try to keep my motivation going, but I think it went pretty well. Good. Yeah, it can be really hard to write all day long. I totally yeah. get that. You start to feel your eyes glaze over and you're just like, Rah. but it was okay. It came out <laughs> fine. So I'm Good. happy with the progress I made. I'll pick it back up tomorrow. Um, yeah. And yeah. then I went on a nice walk with my doggy because it's like really nice outside finally here in Philly. Um, so that was fun. And he's like so out of shape and he like got really tired partway through and almost like collapsed. <laughs> but <laughs> we have to get Aww. him in- into shape for the summer. Yeah. Summer bod. Yes, I know. My dog needs a summer bud. <laughs> it's very important. I'm very it superficial is. about my dog. <laughs> How about you? What'd you do today? I actually didn't have as pretty of a day here. It was kind of rainy in LA today, which is weird for this time of year. Um, yeah. So that made me sad and it was, it's been gloomy all day. Um, but my day's been pretty good. Really busy at work right now. I did have like a very strange client meeting. So oh. I have been working forever. I I mean, that's obviously an exaggeration, but I've been in this role for four years and I've worked with clients ever since grad school or even during grad school. And this is the first time I've ever had a client be mean to me for no reason. Like just be oh, mean. No. Not like be upset about something that happened. You know, those kinds of things happen all the time or right. clients frustrated or not understanding something or whatever. Not a big deal. This client was just mean. Why? I don't know. And I was like, what the heck is happening? Why are you such a mean human? It made me very, very sad. Can you not say um, how they were mean? Well, he basically, he basically just, what, I think he wants to get out of the relationship with us. And he was just, <laughs> just like a, <laughs> like trying a to make boyfriend. us break up with him. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> It's not you, it's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, except for he was trying to get us to say things to m- give an excuse as to why he doesn't want to be working with us anymore. So he was being very difficult and just really rude. Oh, that's um, annoying. Yeah, it was strange. But, you know, I know we talk about um, relationships with coworkers and managers and social support and our blog yeah. and, and the podcasts. And I think that really came in handy today. Because I left that call and I was like, wow, I felt like I was beat up. You know, it was just so mean. Um, But my coworker that was on the call, she obviously got a brunt of it too. And she called me and we talked about it a little bit and, you know, kind of encouraged each other to let each other know, like, you know, I think you did everything the way you could, the best way you could have. So that helped to kind of hear her feedback and make sure I wasn't like saying crazy things. Um, Because definitely there were moments where I was like, am I speaking English anymore? Like, what is happening? Um... So it was strange. But then, and then I talked to my boss and my boss's boss, just like not, I already had scheduled calls with them. I didn't like try to blow this up and like keep escalating it, but I already had, I already had scheduled conversations. And during those conversations, I told them about it. And, you know, it was nice to have that support system where they were like, made me feel better. Cause I feel like that could have impacted my whole day with just how rude this person was. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that sounds terrible. That stinks. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm glad it was just that, crazy. I'm glad that your coworkers were there for you and were able yeah. to make make you feel a little bit better about the situation, but mean people stink. Yes. So note to everybody, be nice to your coworkers and be nice to your vendors. Yeah. Because they are people too. Even yeah. if you hate their product, you don't have to be mean to them. You can say things about the product all you want, but don't be rude to them. Yeah. A lot of people that work in customer-facing roles have more burnout, like we've talked about before, because people are just not nice to people that are, like, in the public eye or, like, they're not nice to people if they're, like, paying you money for a service and they feel like they can treat you however they want. But it's just not a cool mm-hmm. way to be. Be cool. No, it really isn't. And I'm I'm very lucky, like, like I said, it's the worst that's ever happened. Like, generally, people are more respectful and you know it can be you can have tough conversations with them for sure but i've never had someone just be outright rude for no good right. reason um so it was definitely I'm, I'm just lucky that i'm not in one of those roles like you know maybe working at a restaurant or something where someone's constant people are constantly like that to you yeah um i can't imagine being in a role where people are just abusive all the time because i did not feel so good after it well, I'm glad that the strategies that we talked about in terms of coworkers being able to buffer some of those effects were useful for you. And then I was able to use breaks effectively and get out in nature and refresh myself after a long day of writing. So even though we both had some strenuous things happen today, although no one was mean to me, I was just, um, <laughs> the word document was mean to me. Um, <laughs> um, that pesky word document. Yes. Um, but yeah we were able to at least implement and practice what we preach. So that's good. That's true. We're do- good point. We're doing it. We're actually it's as doing if it. If this was planned. <laughs> and I know. It really and wasn't. It actually we wasn't. Just did, we just did do those things. That's funny. <laughs> yes. I guess we've learned something not. from all that we've read and written. Yeah. That's <laughs> positive since we've read and written a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. So speaking about article zone writing, Katina, I'd love to hear what article you're going to talk about today. Yeah. So I'm going to be talking about uh, this article um, by Uta Hulksugar. Um, and I've met her before actually at conferences and she seems super cool and nice. Um, and a bunch of her um, uh, collaborators and colleagues, Hugo Alberts and Alina Feinhold and Jonas Lang. And the paper was published in Journal of Applied Psychology, and it's called The Benefits of Mindfulness at Work, The Role of Mindfulness and Emotional Regulation, Emotional Exhaustion, and Job Satisfaction. Okay. So it sounds like it's going to touch on a lot of different things. Um, Yes. What year was it published in? It was published in 2012. And, um, you know, that seems like a long time ago, but uh, one of the, um, you know, Whole Sugar is one of the really main researchers in the mindfulness space and a lot of people have used inside of this paper. So it really um, came out at a time when mindfulness was just starting to gain steam as something that people were interested in in the workplace. Um, so this paper was really helpful when it came out because people were starting to get interested in like what are the best practices and um, she's really always been doing cutting edge work in this space. So um, I remember when this paper kind of dropped and people were um, starting to talk about mindfulness and then since then the research area has really started to just blow up. Wow well shout out to her and maybe if she's listening she might want to join us for an interview. Yeah that'd be awesome Um, or we can 
go join her. She's uh, somewhere in Europe. It would be a fun trip. <laughs> Worker being vacation. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Darn. Have to go there to do an interview. Rats. Rough life. Um, but yeah. Yeah. So, so but I, I feel like 2012 really coincided with a time period that people were really starting to get interested in positive psychology in the workplace area, but also people were getting more interested in mindfulness specifically. So Katina, what are the main takeaways from this article? Yeah, so there are three things that I want to sort of emphasize about this piece. The first is that being more mindful or training yourself in mindfulness. So if you're not already mindful, don't worry. You can train yourself in mindfulness. We'll talk about that um, in a little while. Uh, so being more mindful or training yourself in mindfulness makes you happier and more satisfied at work, more satisfied with your job. Um, and that might seem a little bit straightforward, but um, I've actually had a decent amount of pushback from people about whether or not mindfulness is even a thing or whether it's just like this fluffy, new agey concept that doesn't really help anybody or do anything. And um, the mindfulness research is actually really rooted in uh, really good body of work that comes out of clinical psychology that has helped a whole lot of people um, deal with all kinds of different issues in life, stress and anxiety, things like that. So, um, so yes, being more mindful makes you happier at work as well. Um, and being more mindful and or training yourself in mindfulness also makes you less exhausted at work emotionally. So not only does it make you happier with your job, but it also makes you feel less tired and less burned out which is also important because we've talked about all the negative concepts or negative um, things related to burnout at work. Um, and then the third thing is that being more mindful or training yourself in mindfulness makes you happier and less exhausted because it decreases the amount of emotional regulation that you have to do at work. So um, I'll talk a little bit more about the details behind that. But basically, when you're at work, like you were talking about earlier, um, with the, you know, client interaction that you had that, uh, created some emotional distress in the workplace. Um, when you encounter emotional distress, you have to regulate your emotions appropriately and that takes energy and mindfulness allows you to be more effective at regulating your emotions, which cuts down on your exhaustion and increases your satisfaction. So, um, it might seem, you know, kind of straightforward if you're a person that already believes in the power of mindfulness, um, that it would have these positive effects. But like I said, there are a lot of people, um, who don't believe that mindfulness is actually helpful. Um, I had a student who did her thesis in mindfulness and one of the faculty members in the defense, uh, basically said, you know, I don't think that these findings are useful because I don't believe that mindfulness is a thing. Um, and so, you know, you, you may run into people like this in your own workplace. So the hope is that these three takeaways, um, if you're, if you're not a believer in mindfulness, that hopefully I'll be able to convince you that there's some good value there. And if you already are, that it'll give you some really good knowledge or takeaways to bring to your workplace to try to get, um, some folks there involved and on the mindfulness wagon. That's so interesting. What you said about the thesis piece, so that means even academics are sitting there like not, Super convinced about mindfulness and all, yeah. all the time. Um, I actually had someone once say to me, why would I do mindfulness? I'm not a Buddhist. And I was like, that's not <laughs> so how much it confusion. works. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was like, you don't have to be a Buddhist. It was very weird. It was like a really, I mean, I guess it makes sense. Like why some people have um, a religion 
component tied to it because like, it's not like meditation is not part of right, that type of a religion. Right. But it was just a very um, uninformed comment because obviously that's not the only use of something like mindfulness yeah. as we'll talk yeah, about today. Yeah, absolutely. I think – and also, you know, the person that made the comment was coming from a different area of psychology, not clinical – not IO, and I feel like in some of the areas of psych, maybe people haven't talked about this concept as much. And so he was sort of thinking mm-hmm. of it as this, like, very, like, you know, everybody just sits in a room on a, like, you know, little beanbag chair and, like, says chants or something. And um, <laughs> it's it's got a lot more structure. Yeah, that I mean, great too. <laughs> that sounds fun to me. But it has, it has more structure to it um, than that and a lot more you know, to what goes into the session. So, um, so yeah, I think he was also mm-hmm. thinking of it maybe in a looser type of way. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Okay, so let's dive into some of the details around this. I'm really curious to hear more about all of these areas because I think it is really important to know that training yourself in mindfulness and being more mindful can help you feel better. I mean, really, that's what it all comes down to in the end. You're happier at work, you're less exhausted, so you're yeah. You're just feeling better. Yeah. You're doing absolutely. better. So in this study, they basically talked about two different kinds of mindfulness. So one is mindfulness that you're born with, the kind of mindfulness that is a trait to you. So in other words, if you're just naturally the kind of person that would be more mindful. So I'm not like that at all. Um, I need to train myself to be more mindful, but <laughs> there are certain people who naturally are more mindful. So Um, things that make you mindful, like, do you really stay focused in the moment and are you paying attention to what's happening around you while it's, while it's going on? So, um, some of the things that they ask you when they're trying to assess whether or not you're being mindful is like when you walk someplace and you get to the destination, do you remember the walk or were you thinking about other things? Were you really immersed in the present moment or was your brain somewhere else Mm -hmm. where you were walking or when you're eating something or having a snack? Is your mind actually focusing on what you're doing in the present moment? Are you thinking about something that happened before or something that's going to happen afterwards? So that's the kind of thing that they're talking about when they're asking people about mindfulness. And so you can either have trait mindfulness, so you're just naturally more mindful, or you can have mindfulness induced. You go through training, which is what I've gone through um, and try to implement uh, more of on a daily basis because I'm not naturally mindful, um, where you can basically make yourself pay more attention and sort of catch yourself when you're not focusing on the present moment. So I think that uh, what you're talking about there is really interesting. So there's people that might be just naturally more mindful and there's a training piece, but people that are a little more mindful, they could still benefit from training, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, everybody can always enhance their mindfulness. So even people who are higher in trait mindfulness could benefit from getting even better. Um, But Definitely, you know, whenever you're lower on something, you always have more room for improvement. So the more dramatic differences in mindfulness will be for people who are not generally high on mindfulness um, in life. They'll benefit more from the training just because there's a (laughs) bigger range for them to move up. But yeah, but anybody can get better. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with you, though. I definitely am a training needed person. Yeah, (laughs) I'm a person that needs training. Um, cause I am that person that is in the, my car and I'm like listening to one of my favorite podcasts, but then I'm thinking yeah. about what happened that day at work. And then 
I'm like 15 minutes in the podcast and I'm like, what just happened? Like I missed all of that. So I have to rewind. Hopefully no one's doing that to us, but we'll give you a second to rewind yeah. if you lost track too. Um, <laughs> because I think that's so easy. You're just like so absorbed. Like something happened right before you got in the car, right before you started walking or whatever. And then you're just thinking about that and just kind of percolating on it for a while and you can't let go and think about what you're doing in that yeah, exact moment. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, that's one of the major things that they talk about, not just like even driving or walking, but just in general life when you're having a conversation with somebody, are you actually listening to what's happening? Are you paying attention to what's happening? Or is your mind someplace else? Like I have driven places before and gotten there and been like, wow, I don't remember the last like 10 minutes of that drive because my brain's just someplace else. <laughs> um, and so, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it is. And I think, um, you know, one of the main things that they're interested in here is, you know, it's not just a good thing for you personally to feel like, well, I'm actually, you know, being more invested in the actions that I'm taking, but it can also have these positive implications for your attitudes and the way that you feel over the course of a day. So um, that was their main focus in this article. Um, And so they were curious to see, you know, if you're high on trait mindfulness or if you have been going through a lot of mindfulness training, how does that impact how you feel at work and whether or not you feel burnt out? And so basically in, they did this across two different studies, but in the first one, they were pretty interested in looking at, okay, if I'm mindful throughout the day, how does that impact whether or not I feel like I'm faking emotions throughout the day? So am I more in tune with my emotions because I'm paying more attention to what I'm doing and what's happening around me? And so I'm better able to sort of just process what's going on and not be like reactive. Like, hey, this horrible thing happened to me yesterday with a person who looked kind of like the person that I'm talking to right now. And instead of focusing on what they're saying to me, I'm getting myself upset again because I'm thinking about this bad thing that happened to me yesterday with a person that sort of similar when that really doesn't have very much to do with this interaction right now so their um Mm -hmm. their thought was okay if mindfulness makes you pay more attention to what's going on in the moment then you're less likely to put sort of like past burdens or future worries onto what's happening right now and so your emotions will be more in alignment Mm -hmm. with the situation And they'll be less out of tune with what's actually happening in the moment. So um, the idea is that you'll have to fake your emotions less or you'll have more uh, appropriate emotions in the moment when you're being mindful. So could an example of this be like my day today where I had the really mean client and I had so many other client meetings. It's not like that was the only client meeting. So if I'm being mindful that I process take that information obviously I have to be nice to the mean client but then when I get into the next meeting I'm not like frazzled by it I'm still talking to my next client and like focusing on that situation and that person and that where I am today instead of coming in and being like oh is this person gonna be mean to me and just focusing on what happened before and my emotional reaction to yeah that? Is that so kind it's, of what you're talking it's, about so that's one part of it is that you're able to see things as they actually are and not bring past expectations or like future concerns into the conversation. Um, The other thing about it is that you can actually make yourself reframe the way that you're thinking about that interaction. So you can just sort of say like, you know what, this person is treating me poorly right now, but that doesn't have anything to do with something that I've done in this moment. And this doesn't have anything to do with anything that I could have done in the past. This isn't really about me. This is more about their attitude, 
the way that they're behaving in this moment. So not only are you able to like actually accurately see what's happening in the situation, but you're also able to, you know, distance yourself from the situation in a way that's healthy, Mm -hmm. where it's not even that you're faking emotions anymore. Like, you know, it wouldn't even necessarily be that you had to be nice to the client even though you were upset. But if you were like, you know, mystically mindful, right, Um, in a way that like, you know, if you like (laughs) trained and trained in mindfulness, actually in that moment, you wouldn't even feel upset with that person. You would just be able to say, you know what, this isn't something that is really about me. And so I'm not going to get upset about it. I'm just going to express myself the way that I feel I should, given that this person has a problem, you would still be kind to them. But the kindness would be stemming from the fact that you understand where they're, that it's a problem with them and not a problem with you, in other words. So like, it actually makes you express emotions that are more productive in the moment, um, but still be true to yourself because you're Mm -hmm. just thinking about the interaction differently. So what you're telling me is that I should have been more mindful because I Well, I also think that, yeah. <laughs> Not in I, it, I actually but think after. that some of these, I mean, people that are really, really good at mindfulness are able to do this, but most people are not able to do it. But a lot of the, you know, purpose of the training programs that they do in mindfulness, um, you know, not even in the workplace, but outside of the workplace is like, you know, people who have um, – emotional or overly emotional reactions to things it can help people to rein that in um but a normal person is gonna get upset about a client that's upset with them you know uh and it would take that's why I was saying like more of like a mystical mindfulness person to say you know what that's not gonna (laughs) knock me off my game because I understand that that's about them and not about me in the moment that's really hard but that's what they try to get you to strive toward in mindfulness training is being able to encounter kind mm-hmm. of any situation. And of course, like there are some situations where you would have to take responsibility. Like if you did cause a problem, then mindfulness also says you need to be honest with yourself about that and address it and do what you what you should do. But if it's something that's sort of coming at you instead of something that you've produced, then mindfulness helps you to filter what's coming at you with a lens of like, this isn't my stuff. This is someone else's stuff. And mm-hmm. so I'm not, I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going, I'm actually not going to get upset about it. Mm-hmm. Okay. That makes sense. Now I feel better that I, uh, I'm not perfect <laughs> at mindfulness, but I wasn't terrible yeah, at it I either. Yeah, I think, <laughs> you know, most, most people, um, on, you know, most of these, uh, measures of mindfulness tend to be, you know, sort of middle of the road. So most people are are not horrible mm-hmm. at it, but they're not perfect at it either. So there is room for improvement in in mindfulness training for most people. Um, yeah. So so in the first um, in the first study, they wanted to look at the extent to which you're naturally mindful. Does that impact these things? And what they found is yes. Um, when you're naturally a mindful person. You're happier in your job and you're less exhausted and you do less of this faking. But they also found in another study that when they just took a random group of people and assigned half of them to a mindfulness training program and the other half not to a mindfulness training program, um, that the people in the mindfulness training program actually got better at doing this over time. 
So compared to the um, group of people that was not in the mindfulness training. So they found that people were better able to regulate their emotions um, in the way that we're talking about over time. And they also found that people were, their job satisfaction went up over time and their emotional exhaustion went down over time because they were better able to regulate their emotions at work. So um, it's not just, you know, that you have to be born mindful, but the folks that went through the mindfulness training Mm -hmm. also saw similar results. So that's, I mean, that's probably the key yeah. part of the study, right? Because what you're born with is what you're born with. You can't really mm-hmm. do much about it besides like, you know, trying to hire people that are more mindful. But that, how do you yeah. do that? That's, you know, I mean, you could, I guess, in theory, but that's probably not no. a realistic approach. But it seems like the training is the more realistic approach that if you provide this kind of training to your employees, if you're um, in an organization that has a lot of customer facing client facing types of interactions then it probably makes sense to have this training to yeah help your employees absolutely out. and also i mean if you can easily train people in mindfulness then you might as well not screen people out who could otherwise be good on the job um and try to offer things that can help to increase mindfulness in the general population instead um but yeah so mm-hmm. in the mindfulness training program i think this is kind of interesting just so everybody knows what was in the mindfulness training program. Um, They combined mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is the most popular form of mindfulness, MBSR. Um, It's abbreviated as. And you can find MBSR trainings really in almost every major city in America. Um, You can go through and, I mean, they cost a decent Mm -hmm. amount of money to go through, but if you're really interested in this and you want to get trained in MBSR, you can do that. Um, And then there's also mindfulness-based cognitive therapy Um, and they contain some different kinds of exercises. And so in this article, they used a combination of both. So, um, they used mindfulness meditations and also daily exercises that were more informal. So I don't know, have you ever done a mindfulness meditation? Actually, I have. When I was in college, I was working on some research studies on mindfulness-based stress reduction, like that specific training that you're talking about with um, HIV patients. So I got to participate in some of that. So I've done some of the training um, in my, so cool. my college days. Yeah, it was really interesting. Um, so I, re- I did really enjoy it, and it's, it is a very specific approach Yeah, and sure. I know a lot of the um, MBSR trainings – Um, are done in different populations of people who like, um, you know, are either sick or going through like traumatic event or hard time in life. Um, and, and there's a lot of clinical evidence that shows that it's helpful. Um, just as like anecdotally, um, I did a study on mindfulness at Villanova and, um, I was helping to examine the extent to which they're they have a Mindfulness Mondays program um, that's free for faculty and staff to go and do mindfulness for an hour every Monday. And so I was trying to work with HR to see what the impact of that program was on employees at Villanova. And just, you know, as a, it's not research-based in the sense that this came out as a theme, but a participant contacted me partway through the study and said that she was so happy that she had signed up for it because she, um, she got diagnosed with a major illness in the midst of a study and it was really sad that that happened but she said that she felt as if 
the study and being in the mindfulness training during that period of time really helped her to cope with the diagnosis and to be able to move forward effectively. And I thought that was really interesting to hear from a participant, Mm -hmm. um, you know, in one of the studies that it wasn't just helping with the things that we were looking at, you know, employment related things, but it was also helping her cope with something that was happening in her life. Um, And that's similar to the patients that you were working with, I'm sure. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what we were looking for is the same thing is to see how it impacted, you know, certain health markers and obviously um, how people were feeling about their their diagnosis and their health overall. Um, I think there's a lot. Honestly, there's a lot of research in the health psychology field that tackles this topic. So if you're interested in that, um, definitely look into it. There's there's tons of research that talks about mindfulness and how it impacts um, on a clinical health perspective versus this kind of work health perspective that we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So the mindfulness meditations that they have people do um, is this sort of idea that you focus on concentrating on the moment and you can either like think about an object or a mantra or focus on your breath or some kind of physical sensation and basically you spend some time really thinking about one thing so it's either a phrase or like focus on your breathing um and they sort of guide you through um, staying present on in that moment and focusing on that one thing. So it trains you to be able to do that. And then sometimes people that get really good at mindfulness meditation are able to, in the midst of a stressful situation, return to that, whatever it is, the mantra or the scene or focusing on their breath or focusing on certain physical experiences. Like people will be like, you know, focus on the feeling of wiggling your toes, for example. Um, and you might spend 15 minutes <laughs> sitting and really trying to focus on that experience and not let your mind wander to anything else. And really it's more about training your mind to stay focused on one thing um, that's happening in the present for an extended period of time. So that was the mindfulness meditation um, that they used. And basically it helped participants to just observe and become aware of things that were happening around them without feeling reactive or without letting their mind go someplace else. So um, in terms of the class that you were talking about, just trying to, think, trying to think of this practically. So we talked about how they offer classes in different cities around um, mindfulness meditation. There's also apps and stuff. Have you found any that you find particularly yeah. useful that are is related yeah, to mindfulness? Yeah, there are a bunch of apps um, that help you to sort of integrate this throughout the day. So the classes that are offered on campus for us, for example, are once a week for an hour. And that's definitely better than nothing. But most mindfulness experts will suggest that you do some mindfulness every day. It's kind of like exercise, Mm -hmm. you know, like if you exercise once a week, that's fine. But if you do 20 minutes a day, it's a little bit better. And so mindfulness is the same. Mm -hmm. So... There are apps um, out there that will help you to um, keep track of how much mindfulness you've done over the course of the week and that you can also open up and do these like mini um, exercises that can help you to just, you know, I'm feeling like I need to take a couple seconds and reframe the way that I'm thinking about something. So they might have a one minute long meditation or then a five minute meditation or a 10 minute meditation. So you can sort of 
tailor it to what you want and how much time you have. And I've actually used this. Um, mm-hmm. I've done some uh, consulting work on conflict resolution and conflict management. And there are some people at work that just have, you know, worse tempers than others. And obviously <laughs> emotions at work, you know, we would argue that being authentic about your emotions at work is a good thing. But when you're doing things that and saying things that could get you fired because they're very aggressive. <laughs> That's not a good thing. Um, and so I've worked with some people in that space and and had them download um, whatever app works well for them. There are a million of them out there. Um, and basically said, you know, get one that has a 30 second, a one minute, a five minute, a 10 minute. And even if it's something that you need to do for 30 seconds to say, I'm in the middle of a conversation, I feel like I'm going to say something that I don't want to say, I need to take some time to recenter myself and just walk away from it for 60 seconds and listen to something quickly and then like reassess and come back to the conversation, you can find mindfulness that can fit into any kind of little pocket in your day that you have. So um, the apps are really good for that, for finding ways to integrate just tiny bits of mindfulness throughout the day. Yeah, I agree. I think there's some that are really interesting in terms of the length of time that they have. Um, And there's some that like Headspace, I think, is a really Mm -hmm. popular meditation app. And they, I think, do a decent job of, you know, starting you off with something like smaller bites and then building up to bigger, longer meditations. And then also providing like meditations for different activities and things to kind of integrate throughout your day. Yeah, absolutely. I think I think that it's good to find what works for you. Like some people have that spire. I don't know if you've ever seen that. It's like a Fitbit for mindfulness. Mm-mm. Ooh, yeah, fancy. and it that is a fancy yeah, mindfulness tool. And it like <laughs> pings you uh, when you haven't done anything mindful for some extended period of time to remind you, like, hey, maybe you should do a quick meditation or. Um, you know, take a walk in nature. You can log stuff on the computer as well to tell it like other activities that you've been doing. Um, so it tries to um, keep track of other kinds of like physiological things as well, like heart rate. And so it can tell when you're starting to get stressed and it'll be like, hey, maybe you need to, you know, take a couple minutes and do a, yeah. Time out. So it's kind of cool. I know, I know mm-hmm. people that like that. Um, there's also this, uh, I can't, I can't remember what it's called. I have to look up and see what it's called, but there's also this thing that you can do where you hook it to your ear. And so this would be, this isn't something that Mm -hmm. you could do like on a whim. You'd have to plan to do it like before bed or something like that, but you hook it to your ear and it's actually like a medical device that gets all of these reads on your like blood pressure and things like that. And it, um, It tracks your breath and shows you how your breath is rising and falling and tells you when you're in like a state of stasis with regard to your breathing. And it's actually really hard to do. Like you might think in your regular life that you're in a state of stasis, but um, when you use it, you realize that it actually is like a more difficult thing to maintain a consistent and like good pace of breathing that um, helps to support like healthy functions in your body. And, um, and so you can actually train yourself to know what that cadence feels like for you, um, so that you can Mm -hmm. return to a breath that's actually healthy. So there's stuff like that too. I love that. Even just talking about it, I'm like sitting here thinking, is my breath even? (laughs) Right now, am I breathing in a good way? (laughs) No, I, like when I first started, uh, using the thing, I was horrible at it. 
And you do have to train yourself and then you can start to recognize and every person's is a little bit different. So you you yeah. can start to recognize when you're feeling out of whack. And the little things I still can't realize, but I have started to be better at recognizing in the moment, like, oh, I'm starting to get anxious about something because I can feel that it's off. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's interesting. I've not heard of that specific device yeah. before. So I would love to get the name from you, and then we can also put it in the show notes. I remembered for our it. It's called the M Wave. E M wave, and you stick yeah. it in your ear. No, B M. E- no, E M wave. M wave. Oh, e M. Yeah. E M. Ugh. Okay. Yeah, like, yeah. M wave. E yeah, M wave. Okay. Like okay. It's cool. Got it. But yeah, and then I think one other thing to 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 kind of like highlight is that. Any stressful situation that you encounter at work, like your client today, or anything that makes you feel socially anxious, um, whether that's somebody who's upset with you, or um, in some of the other work that I'm doing at Villanova, um, well, my one of my studies was looking at specifically Villanova's programs, uh, but another study is in the community looking at people who face stigma. And one of the things that we've found is that the more mindful you are, the less likely you are to experience negative outcomes when people inappropriately or unwarrantedly feel negatively about you. So for people who face so, um, like discrimination at work or groups like, so if you're a woman at work and you feel like you're in a hostile work environment, for example, being more mindful can help you to cope with that until you're able to get yourself into a workplace that would be more accepting. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a good example. I was just about to ask you what you mean exactly by stigma in this situation. So it's really that discriminatory yeah. piece where someone might be judging you because of who you are. That has nothing to do with who you actually are. Um, and therefore the mindfulness kind of helps you reframe all of that probably and um feel or handle it better yeah and we always think that obviously like workplaces should make sure that discrimination is not happening but of course like the ideal situation is never going to occur workplaces will never be able to completely root out these things and people are there are always going to be people that are you know crappy to each other regardless of how hard organizations try um so in the stead of trying to find uh, you know, new job role, for example, in the meantime, people can make their work situations better by practicing mindfulness um, or make them feel better about their work situations by practicing mindfulness when they're encountering those kinds of things. So mindfulness has a whole bunch of really good uses in the workplace, all kind of centered around being able to take situations for what they are, see things for what they are, and not bring the past into the present or the future into the present, but really just assess what's going on right now. How do I feel right now? And what would be the best way for me to approach this situation? That makes sense. So is there anything else from this study? I know we've kind of just been talking about mindfulness more generally for a little while. Is there anything else from the study that you want to bring up and, and share? I think with regard to this study in particular, really it was kind of a, 
an early study, like I mentioned before, so the findings are a little bit more basic in terms of you know the outcomes, job satisfaction, emotional exhaustion, things like that. But I think that one of the things or the main takeaway here is if you're feeling out of control of your emotions or you're feeling like you're spending a lot of time on the job upset about how people are treating you or upset about the way that customers are treating you, that mindfulness might really be able to help you to make strides in trying to reframe that for yourself and trying to go back into the job. Mm -hmm. The first study that they did, they looked at how mindful people were during the day and their emotions during the day and then at night how exhausted they felt. So if you're feeling exhausted when you get home or you're feeling like you're getting home and you're like, I hate my job, my job sucks or whatever, then think about why that is. Some people may have lots of different reasons for why that would be the case. But if you feel like it's something to do with emotions, whether that's emotions coming from coworkers or clients or whoever the case may be, mindfulness may be particularly helpful in allowing you to to get around some of those negative uh, attitudes that are stemming from the experiences that you've had at work. That's a great point. And then when it comes to the managers and organizations, I think we've already touched on this a little bit, but do you want to elaborate on anything there? Yeah. I mean, I think that managers and organizations overall would do well to offer these kinds of resources to employees. Um, For employees themselves, I mean, this is a little bit easier to get access to as an employee because this is something that doesn't take, I mean, if you wanted to go full blown and do a mindfulness training, you know, um, MBSR training or whatever the case may be, um, that might cost a lot of money and take additional resources. But as we've been mentioning, you know, there are plenty of free resources that you can find to help train yourself in mindfulness and become more mindful over time. So it's not something that employees necessarily have to rely on managers and organizations for, but I think that it sends a really nice signal to people if you're concerned enough about employee wellness that you offer these kinds of trainings at work. Um, And you'll see those benefits because by creating a consistency or a drive for people to want to do that because the workplace is encouraging it and it seems like something that they might, you know, get benefit for participating in, like your manager encourages people to um, participate or you're doing it because your other coworkers are going and, um, you know, there's some social pressure to participate so maybe more people will do it. You're going to see people's job satisfaction go up and emotional exhaustion go down, which means that in all likelihood, even though they didn't measure it in this study, what we know from other research, people's performance is going to go up and people's commitment to the organization is going to go up. So, I think a lot of managers, when they hear about programs like this, just like the person that served on the thesis committee for my student was like, you know, this is just fluff and like this is just some like new agey thing to offer employees and it's not going to do anything for me. But the research shows that actually if managers argue for organizations to invest in or if top level leaders put these programs in place, that the organization, if people actually participate and people are encouraged to participate, will see the benefits of that. So it's not just junk science it's really good science um (laughs) this journal is really really good uh competitive place to publish and um, a lot of other people have used this work in in building their careers around mindfulness so this is definitely some solid stuff that you can bring either to top level leaders if you're a manager or to your manager if you're an employee to help make the case for why mindfulness programs have a good bottom line impact as well as a good um interpersonal or or well-being related impact I think also that managers, so maybe an organization is not going to do this. Like, let's just say that we know that your company is not going to do this. But as a manager, you can 
approach your employees that you know maybe have difficult customers and say, hey, I know that this free app that yeah. can help with this this thing called mindfulness. And, you know, we know that it can help you feel less exhausted and help with the that emotional drain that you're feeling throughout the day because of these difficult clients that I know you're dealing with. So this is something to look into. So you could also bring it up to your employees kind of in a, you know, in a way showing that you care about yeah. how they're feeling and their emotions and, and helping develop them to, to manage their workplace better. Yeah. I think that's a really awesome point. And because it's not something that's super expensive, if you as a manager get pretty good at leading these meditations or these informal practices, you can just use them in your own, in your own team. Um, so mm-hmm. I know that there's a faculty member at Villanova who does a mindfulness exercise before every class that she teaches. So it's not something that we're like required to do by the university, uh, but the students actually really Mm -hmm. like it. And she does it before exams and things like that. And uh, she said at first there were some skeptical students and now they're like, wait, you didn't do the mindfulness thing. We need to do our mindfulness thing. Like they get really excited about it. So (laughs) That's that's an example, like you're saying of, you know, you don't have to wait for your organization to have something formal. It's something easy enough to bring into your own practice if you wanted to do it in your own team meetings or encourage people more informally to get involved in mindfulness, you you don't need a formal class offered through your organization to get people doing it. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Well, great. I think that this study really does have a lot to kind of offer from the you know perspective of just basics around what it can do to help you emotionally at work. And I think that there's a lot of simple things that employees and managers and organizations alike could actually tackle to help improve employees exhaustion and make them happier in the workplace so i think there's there's some really great takeaways here and i've really kind of enjoyed learning more about this study i'll be curious to hear about mindfulness in uh, future articles and the more recent stuff and see what else is going on there but i think this is a great start yeah absolutely there are a lot of haters on mindfulness and i think the point is there's no reason for the hate i would (laughs) i would also hear about something like this and be skeptical but there's no reason to be skeptical so um, if you know some haters, use this as a way to say, actually, there's some good stuff here and start a different kind of dialogue. Agreed. I 100% agree. Well, thank you so much, Katina, for sharing this article today. Thank you. If anybody wants to reach out to us and, you know, give us some feedback or comments about this topic, or if you would like to learn more, you should check out our blog at workerbeing.com. You can also contact us at workerbeing at gmail.com and find us on social media. We're on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at at workerbeing. And workerbeing is spelled W-O-R-K-R-B-E-E-I-N-G. We hope you enjoy and we hope to hear from you soon. podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabar and Katina Sawyer and produced by Allie Johnson. 